Palm Sunday. It's a day we remember Jesus entering Jerusalem on his way to the death on a cross. And I want to read the scripture for you. It's in Luke, the 19th chapter, beginning at the 28th verse. And when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when Jesus drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples ahead. And he said, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to them, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of them. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. You know, we see this, this picture, an account of Jesus entering Jerusalem. And as he entered, the people were excited. They were excited for maybe a couple of reasons. You know, one reason says they were excited for all the things he had done. You know, one of the things we need to remember, it wasn't long before this that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, you know, for those of us that don't get excited very often, I would think raising somebody from the dead would excite you. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm talking for myself, okay? You know? Now, it probably ought to be somebody close, um, you know. I'm not sure about that, but, you know, I'd really get excited if a loved one died and was raised from the dead. That would probably stimulate me, okay? So you got to think about it. These people, they had seen Jesus heal people, and they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. And it says they, they cried with a loud, loud voice for all the mighty works that he had done and they had seen. I believe sometimes our ability to worship and praise has sometimes something to do with what we've seen and what we've experienced. You know, I think it, it, it can correlate to what we've been through. You know, sometimes the more we've been through, the Bible says, to him who much is forgiven, that one loves much. And I think it's just a fact that, you know, sometimes when the Lord does something special in your life, you know, it activates you to want to praise him to want to thank him. And so there was a group of people who I believe were excited because of what he was doing. I believe there was a group of people who were excited because they thought he was the king that was going to come and set them free and solve all their problems. It's kind of like post-election time, I suppose. I don't know. That goes away fast. But, you know, it was kind of like, oh, here he comes, the king. He's going to come in. He's going to set us free from Rome. He's going to establish... Everything nice so I'm comfortable. You know, most of the reason we want that is so that I'm comfortable and happy and it makes my life better. That's really what that's all about. And I think there was an element of people who praised him for that. You know, it's hard sometimes to always know the motives 
And I don't know that it's always important for us to know the motives of why people praise the Lord. There's all kinds of different reasons. It's interesting, and as they came in, and as they praised him, it says they, they put clothes on, they put their clothes on the, on the road. And as I, as I was reading that scripture, the thought came to me, there had to be some mother standing by that goes, don't put your clothes down there. There had to be a mother that said, get your clothes up. You're going to get them all dirty, you know. You know, you just think about it. People are putting their clothes on the road for him to ride a donkey across. They're tearing down palm leaves. I don't know about you, but for those of us that are real practical and logical, we might fit into the, the side of a group of people who said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. There was a group of people who stood there and said, wow, stop this. This is crazy. And I, as I thought about this, and I've kind of reflected on this a little bit, and I've thought about, well, where would I fall in that, in that crowd? And it kind of brought me up short when I thought, you know, sometimes I'm the guy that says, wait a minute, this isn't quite right. Or this isn't, this isn't logical. Or this doesn't make sense. This isn't practical. Because that's me. You know, I'm, 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 I want everything logical and practical and kind of making sense. You know, when Jesus, when we had the dedication, you know, of a child, you know, I think the disciples said, well, Lord, you got too many busy things. You got, you got important things to do. You got important things to do. Don't be bothered by these little kids. You know, that's that practical sense, that logical sense. And what did Jesus say? No, bring them here. Bring them here. He says, Let, I, I want to bless them because for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, he seems like he says to us, you know, sometimes you don't quite get it. You don't quite get it. And then he said, you know, if these people don't praise me, he said the very rocks are going to cry out. You know, we, we sang a song, which I don't remember which one, but it says, all his works praise his name. I thought about that. I thought, well, he, even the rocks will cry out. You know, but he desires us to praise him and worship him. He desires us. And I've thought about, you know, when we think about praise and worship and and different ways, there's there's a lot of different ways we're going to talk about that. And uh, I want to look at Second Samuel. I want to look at um, one of the ways that um, God is praised, and that's by dance. And in Second Samuel, the sixth chapter, Second Samuel, the sixth chapter, the eleventh verse. It's a story of the Ark of the Covenant's been gone, and the Ark of the Covenant to the children of Israel was the very presence of God. It wasn't just a, it was a box with things in it, but it was the very presence of God. Where the ark went, the blessing of the Lord went. So this is really important to the people, okay? And so in uh, 2 Samuel 6, starting at verse 11, so David, and, and the ark had, had fallen, and um, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. The ark had fallen, somebody put their hand up to steady it, and the guy got struck dead for touching it. Okay, so it was the literal presence of the Lord. And uh, anyway, this is all happened. When that happened, the ark stopped. David said, whoa, stop. Let's just leave it. Sit here a while. Let's think about this. I know that's not how he said it, but he said, let's just contemplate this. Let's just, let's just not move anymore. Okay, so in verse 11, it says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the, the Gittite, three months. They let it sit there for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. While the presence of God was with this man where they let it set for three months, it says God blessed him for three months because his presence was there. 
Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and she saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the men and the women, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all of the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How glorious was the king today! uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of his base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight but as for the maidservant of whom you have spoken of by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So here we see that David, they're returning the Ark of the Covenant. It's God's presence. And David understands the presence of the Lord. He understands what that means to the people, what it means to Israel, that without his presence, they're nothing. And so David is excited. I don't know if that's the right word. That's the, that's the word I'll use. Um, David's excited. And, and more than excited, he understands. He understands. And he wants to praise the Lord for what he's doing for them. And so David, the king, rids himself of his kingly garments and dances before the Ark of the Covenant. Most of us would say that would be beneath his dignity. Beneath his dignity. Why would he do that? What we find is that Michael, which is Saul's daughter, she thought it was also beneath his dignity, and she condemned him for doing that. And we find at the end of the story that Michael then is barren, brought barren by the Lord for, for condemning David. It's interesting as you think about this story. And for me, I, I guess personally, I have to think, where would I fit in this story? Where would I fit? How would I fit? Could I fit? You know, which, which, which person would I tend to be? You know, which person would I, would I tend to be in the midst of, of what God is doing? And so thinking about all that, I want us to just take a moment and I want to look at, at different ways that we praise the Lord. Okay, different ways we praise the Lord. In Psalms 149, 
Psalms 149, verses 1 to 4. It says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. It says, it says praise him with the dance, praise him with the timbrel, praise him with the harp. And then over in verse in, in uh, chapter 150, it says, praise the Lord, praise him in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet, praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with sting, stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I think, okay, that's quite a list. Quite a list. Now, here's my problem. I have a problem. I have lots of problems, but I'll tell you. Here's one problem. Okay, I look through the list. Okay, I don't play the trumpet. I don't play the lute. I don't play the harp. Um, I can't even play the timbrel. I can't even keep rhythm. I have trouble clapping. <laughs> I clap for a while, and first thing you know, people are clapping different than me. I don't know what that is. I can start out clapping, and all of a sudden, everybody's clapping different, and I just quit because I think, I'm not doing it. I'm wrong. I mean, I know I'm wrong, so I know. Now, one of the things I'm not sure, I could praise him with loud clashing cymbals as long as I could clash him at the right time, you know. Um, I could praise him with a dance, but I don't. And, you know, you can, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Mary would attest to this, you know. If it's once in a while at a wedding, at a wedding, I will slow dance. Maybe square dance. I don't know if that even qualifies, but... You know, I just don't, you know. The best thing I can do for dance is probably this. That's about as close as it gets, you know. I just, you know, that's just me. That's just me. I can praise with my lips, thank goodness. I can praise with my lips. It may not always sound good. Thank goodness Make a joyful noise. God qualifies us to, a noise works. So I get to qualify because I can make a noise, you know, and I can try and I can sing. But it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so I believe the Lord is saying to us that, you know, there's lots of different expressions to worship. And we're all different people. We all are different people. And if, if you finally surrender yourself to the fact that God made you that way, then it's okay. That we don't have to be stamped out and all be alike. You know, that it's okay we're different. That we're not all alike. God makes us individually wonderfully made. And so that's okay. You know, it was so freeing. I don't know when, but I know at some point in time, I finally realized it was okay to be me. And that's freeing. It's okay to be me. I don't have to be what other people think I should be. I don't have to act the way people think I should act. That there's, I can be me. I can praise the Lord the way I am. I mean, when I, I remember when I 
a way, way, way long time ago. Mary ran out around with some friends that I thought were kind of crazy. Okay, I'll just be honest about it, you know. Um, they were pretty fanatical and they did some things I thought were strange. Consequently, they thought, that my, my, excuse me, my interpretation of what I thought was, I thought they wanted me to be like them. And I couldn't see how that was possibly going to happen. <laughs> I did not see how that was going to happen. And when I realized that God made me the way he made me, I didn't have to be like somebody else, even when maybe somebody might put pressure on me to be like something, that they thought I should be like them, that, well, if you're quiet, you can't be praising the Lord. Yeah, you can. You can. You can't tell when people are praising the Lord. People can be quiet and not sing and praise the Lord. You know, you can say, well, I don't, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you can because people are different. People are One of the things I have determined is it is very difficult to determine people's motives and what's going on. And sometimes, folks, it boils down to it's none of my business. You know, it's just like, well, it's really none of my business. You know, that I analyze everybody around me as to, well, why are they doing that? Why, you know, try to keep your eyes on the Lord. That's one of my best advices. But, you know, we're all different. God's made us different. And, you know, there in, in the in the natural, I'd say the natural world, there was a fellow by name uh, Smalley, Gary Smalley. He did a thing on the love languages. And in the practical side for marriages, he said there's five different love languages. I'll see, I'll get them right here. There's words of affirmation, deeds, touch, quality, time, and gifts. What is, what is he saying? He says there's different ways that people express their love. So wives... Don't try to make your husband express his love the way you think he should. See, that's what happens sometimes. See, because I also receive love differently. So it's nice when two people get married that they kind of got a nice blend with that, okay? Mary likes, Mary likes deeds. She likes doing, you know, do stuff, fix stuff. You know, she likes deeds. Well, that's great because I love to serve. So I like doing deeds. So that works out really good for us. You know, she doesn't care so much about gifts. I don't have to buy her flowers. If I buy her flowers, she'll probably grumble. You know, so where'd you get them? Or, you know, I brought flowers in from outside the other day. The daffodils are up. I cut flowers. Wasn't that nice? She kind of went, where'd you get those? I said, well, there are flowers. They're out there. You can't see them. So I thought I'd bring some in for you to look at, you know. But, you know, that's not, but her love language is do. See, do for me. Now, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Some people like words of affirmation. Tell me how great I am. Tell me how much you love me. Tell me, you know, some people are um, touched. Some people are um, quality time. Just, just spend time with me. So that's all different. I believe, and I say that to say this, I believe our expression to the Lord of our love for him is also individual. It's also individual. We all have different ways of expressing love to him. And so you do it the way you're made, the way you're wired, the way God's made you. And you know what? I think God understands all that. And I actually think he understands it better than we do, thank goodness. You know, so when he looks down, he, you know, somebody can be sitting there quiet, and, and you know, he goes, wow, that's good. That's good, you know. So it, it's, it's individual. It's individual. And we all worship different. You know, we don't all play instruments. 
we don't all raise our hands. We just, we just, we're all different. And that's, that's okay. God's made us that way. And so then I need to be very careful since we're all different. I need to be very careful as to how I look at others, you know, because I can't tell. I can't always tell. Um, one of the things in, in all of this is, and I've said this many times, but over a period of time, churches tend to pick up the personality of their pastor. Okay, over a period of time. You know, people kind of, yeah, I'm not trying to change anybody's personality. I'm not, don't get me wrong. Here's, here's what I found over the years. Um, in our church, for whatever reason, you know, I'm fairly a quiet guy. I don't, you know, I'm fairly quiet most of the time. What I found was, you know, people in some churches will come where they say amen to a lot of things. You know, praise the Lord, amen. You know, they're very vocal. What I found over the years was, if you hang around me long enough, you'll quit doing that. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that's good. I think that's not a good thing, okay? I'm just, that bothers me. If I'm, I'm going to try to say that bothers me, okay? And I think somehow we as a church have to get to a point where we realize that it's not trying to be all one so we all act alike, but it's being one as a body that's different, different parts. And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing, you know? And so, so on, for me as a pastor, that kind of bothers me a little bit, you know. I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily say everybody should be like me, and I hope not. But I also know that because if you're quiet, it's kind of, well, that must be how they do it. And isn't that how churches go? We get churches and we start to have, well, this is how they do it, and this is how they do it, and this is how we do it here. And, you know, we start to get patterns, we start to get things that get pretty, okay, we got it all figured out. You know, we got it kind of where we can get a grip on it. And I think sometimes in the midst of that, God wants to go, no, you know, let me come in and help you. Let, let's, let's not get too set. Let's not get too set. Um, so I say that to just say that, you know, everybody's different and it's okay. It's okay. Now, one last thing when I talk about worship, okay? There's two things about worship, okay? One is, I believe there's corporate worship. That's us together on Sunday morning. I believe there's individual worship. That's you at home. I've had people sometimes say to me, well, I, don't, I wish I could do this or this or this on Sunday. And I'll say, well, do it at home all you want, you know? There's nobody stopping you at home. There's nobody stopping you in the shower other than maybe your mate or somebody close. But you know, there's nobody stopping you. I used to love driving tractor when we didn't have cabs. You can sing as loud as you want. You know, you can, you can, and there's a lot of interference running for you. You know, all I'm saying is, folks, there's individual worship. And then there's times when we have get together and worship as one. And we have responsibility. We have responsibility in some areas when we come together as a group. We have a group. Um, I just want to read the scripture from 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, the 32nd verse. And it says, The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And I just want to say this. We have individual responsibility. The Bible says the spirit of the prophet, that's us, the spirits in us, 
is subject to who? It's subject to us. Now, I say that because every once in a while somebody will say, well, I couldn't help it. God just made me do it. Very seldom does God override your personal will. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying most of the time, the spirit of the prophet, the spirit that's in you is subject to you. So you have responsibility and you have, you have the ability to control yourself. People say, well, I can't control it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. We have personal responsibility because the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Okay? And so prior to this, there's a whole list of things how God set in church order. Okay? And the difficulty in the church is order without the lack of life. Because that'll what hap- that's what happens sometimes when you have so much order. When you have so much order, there's no place for the Spirit of God to have any life to it. And that's what you don't want. You don't want order to be control. And that's what tends to happen. You, you just, you control everything. And everything's controlled so that God can't do anything out of the ordinary. So I say those things for us to just think about. How important is praise? The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. He, he dwells in the praises of his people. He dwelt in that ark. He dwells in the praise of his people. It's important for his people to praise him. And we're all individuals. We're all different. And thank goodness we're different. Wouldn't it be awful? If, I mean, it'd be kind of boring if we were all alike, I think. Although sometimes we try to make everybody alike, but it'd really be boring. And so as we're all different, we come and we worship and we praise him. And we praise him throughout the week. Throughout the week. You know, in all that we do, our lives are praised to him. And so as we think about all that he's done for us, all the many blessings that he gives us, how can we not but praise him for who he is and what he's done? Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can praise you. We can worship you, or we can come before you. Lord, just help us to realize that we're all individuals. And Lord, we, we just come and we express ourselves differently, and that's okay. Lord, receive our praise. Lord, we thank you for your mighty works. Thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you for healing and restoring people to health. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us. Lord, as we go forth, Lord, help us to go forth praising you, living lives that are pleasing to you. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need for prayer this morning, some, something that they've been struggling with, Lord, you'd encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam pray for them right when we dismiss. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.